What's good, everybody? My name is Usika, and I am currently on vacation, but I have a very special co-host with me today, aka special guest, because I couldn't bring Beast with me to my little getaway. But I have the pleasure of introducing to everybody the very first time the most special person in my life who I'm sitting across from right now. <laughs> and Who's I'm making shitting bricks. <laughs> <laughs> shitting bricks. She's a little nervous, but it's okay. Um, I would like to present to everybody my partner, my best friend, my girlfriend, Leslie. Hi, babe. Hi, babe. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously there is no video. Um, per per a special request, um, we are not doing video. I am trying to accommodate as much as I can for my girlfriend because she is a little shy. So this is a big deal for her. So let's make sure that we welcome her. We give her positive, positive feedback and we welcome her into the sacredness that is the Nectar podcast because you're special here. Okay. All of our guests are special. Obviously, you weigh them out. You outweigh them by more because you are my girlfriend. But let's make sure we make her feel um, comfortable and hopefully she comes back again. Because this would be really cool. I've been trying to get her to do this for a while. She's been very hesitant. I'm so silent over here. <laughs> I know. Sorry. It's okay. I know a lot of people have been asking for you to come on as well. So I, I called in my birthday favor. <laughs> and so we're here. So I have my stuff here. We're in Phoenix right now where it's extremely hot. We experienced a, not, a, not a monsoon yesterday, but monsoon-like weather. I think it is a monsoon, whether it was here or not. Uh-huh. I think that so was So it's still a monsoon? a monsoon? Yeah. Okay. Because that's what the... Um, the uh, Googles? Yeah, whatever I looked up. So. Yeah. Okay, so for people that don't know what a monsoon is, it's basically a massive rainstorm, correct? Yeah, something about like the air changing like hot and cold and then, yeah. Okay. So there's a lot there's a lot of the thunder, there's a lot of lightning, there's a lot of like light effects going on. It's a rave going on. Um warnings about like flash floods, stay indoors unless you absolutely have to go out. Yeah. And what was interest what was funny is that we were actually planning to go out to drive through the mountain, not through the mountains, but close to the mountains to get away from the city. Um because we had brought our DSLR camera and we wanted to take some pictures of the stars. But <laughs> Some, luckily, luckily, someone took a very long nap, and by the time she got up, mm-hmm. we were able to see that that was no longer a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a good idea. So we ended up not going. We stayed in, which was actually good because they actually sent out a notification to our phone saying, hey, there's a flash flood warning. Don't go outside. Luckily, we didn't have to evacuate. I think we were far enough. Or maybe the storm just wasn't as strong for them to require us to evacuate. I don't think people have to evacuate for this stuff. I thought there were. Yeah, some people. Oh, well. I think just like don't be on the road. But I feel like it's just such a common occurrence that. People are just saying. Just stay indoors. Don't be dumb. And see, being out here in Phoenix just makes me appreciate Los Angeles a little more. Just because I know our weather is hot. But I can't imagine L.A. experiencing, 
you know, monsoon weather that way in, in LA at least. Mm -hmm. So it's, and then you sent me a reel on Instagram of the Texas you? thing where like it's a oh, massive storm yeah. blowing through Texas. Well, yeah. And then the guy at the end is like, and this is why your house that costs $200,000 yeah. costs $200,000. So essentially it's like, you know, you get, yeah, you do get a lot of bang for your buck, but you also, that lower price tag comes with, I think more, um, I guess natural disasters. Uh, yeah, whether it's tornadoes I don't or know, hurricanes, like hurricanes that are close extreme, to the water. Extreme heat is also a thing. Um, Just very extreme yeah. weather. So you you kind of get what you pay for. So when you send me, and I had been bugging you, I'm like, and, and I do it jokingly, obviously. I'm like, hey, let's let's leave at California. You're doing it jokingly <laughs> to plant a seed. I'm, it's because you know what key. I am because you know what I see how much we pay for our our condo. And then when you put that into perspective, like when you convert that to real estate in other other states and you see how much money, how much land you can get for the money that we made, mm -hmm. the money that we paid, it's ridiculous. But we get we got our first example here, living it real life, where oh sure Arizona God. is definitely yes. more affordable, but it is hot. It's hot as fuck. It's humid. It is just you not know, a lot of shade either. Not a lot of not trees. Like, so it's dry. It's a desert. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. And also the Airbnb that we're staying at. Can we just vent a little bit about the Airbnb? You can definitely vent. Go for it. You don't want to? Well, I yeah, I don't. Okay. Don't so feel too passionately about we're it. We're staying at this Airbnb, and th this Airbnb is very. It's nice. It's quaint, but it lacks a lot of basic care well it, and then like on top of it it's also just you know the things that you'll you'll the accommodations that you feel or get in other airbnbs it feels like it wasn't even a thought here yeah whether it's extra you know having toilet paper one toilet paper roll um or uh the fire extinguisher fire extinguisher and what else I feel like there's more stuff that we The just, mattress feels like the fact that your back is hurting. That's, yeah. And uh, the couch is completely worn out. The springs on the on the couch are fucking terrible. Um, and I hope if they have cameras and they have audio equipment that they're listening, I hope they do. <laughs> because this place kind of... And, and I had a suspicion about this place because when you had shown it to me, they focused very much on taking really nice pictures of all these little, little things like... The little plant thing that's over there, the the Abraham Lincoln little statue thing, or whatever the fuck that is, like all these little things. But I don't want to say anything because I'm like, you know what? Maybe it, you know, it'll be fine. And obviously, these are things that you can't see from a picture. Like you can't tell that a couch is worn out so much from a picture, at least not this couch. So I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just me being like extra or being too picky. But it turned out, <laughs> it turned out that it was a. Kind of a gotta, kind of a bad situation, but gotta follow your gut. But yeah. we're gonna leave an honest review. Yes, it is very quaint. It does have the basics, but I don't. I couldn't recommend this to anyone I know. Yeah, definitely not. It's not a place you would actually want to come hang out. Even though when you're in a different city, you don't want to spend all your time here. But when you're here, you want to feel. Yeah, yeah, you want to feel you know comfortable. Um, so that's that's Arizona. We're still having fun. We did a couple of things yesterday which were interesting. We're not going to get into it too much, but, you know, we went to two museums. Mm -hmm. Well, one museum, and one was more of a just like an exhibit type of thing with the butterflies. 
That was really cool. I was like, to be honest, I forgot what we did yesterday. <laughs> so I'm letting you lead here. Okay, well, we went to this thing called uh, Butterfly Wonderland where they have this section of the of the tour is just you go into this, I guess, a huge warehouse. Not a warehouse, like a greenhouse or whatever. Like with the glass thing Yeah, on it's top. kind of like a greenhouse thing. So it's like a greenhouse and you basically are just free to walk around and there are butterflies just flying around you freely. Uh, and there was a chicken. <laughs> just there was a random a chicken. chicken. It was the highlight. It was such a great chicken. What was the name of it? Uh, Sarema? Yeah. Sarama, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's the type of chicken. So just, or what, it, it was just a random chicken just that walking lives there. around. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. That was interesting. Um, and then we went to the Musical Instruments Museum, which was, which was fun as well. It was very overwhelming. Yeah. Because I, I didn't expect there to be that many instruments from so many different countries i think they said like over ten thousand or ten thousand instruments and they just yeah. had uh they had the layout of the museum split up by different um areas regions whatever countries and yeah there's too much but it's all <laughs> great it's all great if you have the time and the headspace to just you know see yeah. things then you definitely get your money's worth for sure i like for what you pay there is so much value in in going there it's like 20 bucks mm-hmm. per person so i thought that was cool um but yeah so we did that it's been it's been fun so far and uh yeah so we're here in phoenix we'll be leaving soon and back to real life back, back to real life i still have some i took some time off of work to oh, right. celebrate Holden's uh, birthday before things get a little busier uh or i work. oh that's can we talk about it uh sure yeah okay so uh let me give you guys a brief overview of my my partner's job right a lot of you know what i do already i work at a fucking grocery store i do delivery very simple and i also do doordash in the evening to make up extra money but my girlfriend is a saint <laughs> and she she does not like when people talk highly of her but she has to get used to it we'll try (laughs) (laughs) but she is a saint because she works with uh animals in particular cats right so surprise surprise yeah if if you guys haven't noticed by you know the cat some of the cat memes that i post on the instagram this is why and so she's been working at this rescue called santidor for how many years? How, how, when did you start volunteering there? Um, I started volunteering back in 2015. I want to say the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. And then I officially started working 2017. Um, yeah. So it's been, what, four years? Yeah, yeah. Four years. So you've been working there officially as a staff member? Yeah. For four, four years. years. And you've been there for your for the entirety of it has been six years, right? Yeah. From, including when you were volunteering? Yeah, honestly, I actually think it was a year beforehand. I think it's seven years. Okay. Because one of my cats was born in 2014, and I fostered her that year when she was a kitten, therefore. Who was yeah. that? Natasha. Oh, Natasha. Natasha. Okay. Okay. Well, so that's so she works there, and it's in Los Feliz. If yeah. you guys are looking for amazing cats that most of the time Leslie, fo- not fosters, but looks after. Yes, if anyone's looking to adopt a cat, if you guys need any guidance counseling whatever whatever um let me know and then i'll connect you with leslie yeah so she can get we are are pretty strict with their rules but 
but it's okay. So like if you really want a cat, um, that's a great place to go because all of them are great. And they're really fun. I've, the times that I've been there, I genuinely enjoy being there. There are some cats that are a little bit more... No, nah, they're... They're a little bit more. They're cats. Say, yeah, they're cats. You know, cats. Some of them are a little bit more sassy, but that's okay. But not in like a mean way. They just have their personalities. And there are some cats that are a little bit more reserved that take a little bit of time to get used to to like break through that that timidness. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> but when you break through, they're fucking amazing and they're fun to be around. AKA Leslie. Okay. Okay. So and so you recently got a promotion uh so to speak yes. yes the executive director is stepping down after uh being there for six and a half close to seven years um and as the assistant director the natural progression of things is that i take over mm-hmm. um it's something that i initially was very uh you know hesitant to take on because that is a lot of responsibility that is a lot of uh, making decisions and, you know, just being confident in things, mm-hmm. which I lack uh, and I'm getting comfortable with, you know, uh, that aspect of things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, sometime in the next month or so, I will become essentially the director of the foundation. Right. So you will be the head honcho. Well, you will be making... Like the final, the shot collar, kind of, and yeah. so, uh, so that's why we came on this little getaway before she starts that because I think you also needed to take your vacation days, right? Well, or you just wanted to do it before you. Um, Christy, uh, who is executive director, advised me to take time before she hits the fan. Yeah, before the transition happens, to yeah. just you know, take some time and um, relax. And just enjoy your a lot of needed downtime. Yeah. Before you start in this, uh, in this, a new chapter in your life where you have a lot more responsibilities. Yeah. But you, it's a, uh, it's good. I think you're going to be, you're going to be great at it. You have a great support system at the rescue, and yeah, you're going to be great. Thank you. We'll see. Okay. We'll definitely try. I'll say that. <laughs> um. All right. So. Let's talk about um, a little bit more about your job and maybe some like misconceptions that people have about cats. Because there's always this. If, so if you guys haven't figured it out, this, ep- this episode is going to be centered mostly around my girlfriend's job. You know, some of the things that she sees, some of the misconceptions, especially within the Latino community, Hispanic community, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just... You know, just maybe to clear up some things for people that might have questions about cats. Mm-hmm. So let's start with, you know, a lot of people are very much either team dog or team cat. What made you want to be team cat? Honestly, as a kid, I had some bad experiences with dogs. So, so that didn't help the It didn't help. Cause. I, I've never hated dogs. I don't hate any animals. Mm-hmm. I'm just scared of dogs. I don't understand their body language, you know? Um, and with cats, I don't know. My sister brought a cat home one day, what, 10, 11 years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to find her another home. But as we all know, most of the time, they end up staying. So yeah. um, the first couple of months that we had Sophia... 
I didn't pick her up. I barely pet her. She scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Was she aggressive? She was. Cat? When she first came to us, she was like, she came through one of my sister's friend who had a kid who was mm. manhandling her and just not oh, wow. being respectful of her space. Too aggressive. So she was like reserved and she had to learn how to defend herself. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, put her paw down and, uh, yeah, I was just scared. She hissed at me the first time I tried to pick her up and I was like, fuck that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not about it. We're not doing this. Um, and because I gave her that time and that kind of just respect, respecting her space, mm-hmm. she and I, she became my best friend and vice versa. She like, I became her human. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is how we got that. So that's how you went keep team cat yeah yeah okay so so then wh- when did you decide to start actually volunteering like what made you want to volunteer um i'm a little bit of a nerd sometimes and uh while i was in pasadena city college i would go to the silver lake uh library mm-hmm. and one day when i came by in the evening i saw pamphlets for uh volunteering at the santador foundation and i was like oh my gosh this looks really cool yeah um most of most of the time i don't like doing things that are new or things by myself mm-hmm. because it's just very intimidating but i guess because it was cats i was like oh i can do this yeah um, and yeah, I just, you know, signed up for an orientation, attended that. And then, uh, that's how I, uh, you know, you just got into the volunteering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into fostering. And yeah, I just, that's, you know, Santidor became a very, very huge piece of my life. Mm-hmm. It just provided, uh, provided me with something that was very fulfilling and very just, you know, I gave to the foundation and the foundation gave back to me. It was very rewarding. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And I think a lot of people volunteer for those reasons because, you know, even though they are aware that the place that they're going to go volunteer at is not paying them, it's not supporting them financially, people feel like they're making a difference. You know, they feel like they're part of a bigger cause. And that in and of itself is rewarding for a lot of people. You can see yourself making a direct uh, impact on, you know, whether you're fostering or volunteering, you can see your, you know, your actions making a direct uh, impact on whatever you're Mm -hmm. volunteering with. Yeah. And so a lot of times that means that you are, cats are brought in that are not necessarily the most friendliest of cats for ver- for reasons that are obvious like like people, Sophia yeah like Sophia so like people have to remember that any cat that is you know sassy or very distant is because they've been treated a certain way you know it's and not just have like certain life experiences where they've had to have their guard have had to have their guard up yeah um, but yeah, you learn a lot of things when volunteering and, you know, seeing a cat go from place, a place like that to opening up, to being affectionate, to asking for, uh, you know, attention mm. that makes, um, that's really, really, uh, it's really, really beautiful to see. And those are the cats that you like to take on. 
specifically? I like to. Um, I get drawn to weird cats, <laughs> to mm-hmm. cats that you know they have like a tough exterior, but deep, deep down, we I know that they're just scared. So I mm-hmm. am very drawn to that kind of energy where you just. You know, I, I joke around about like cracking their code and just figuring out what they respond to. Yeah. Um, and then just helping them find the right person to take them home and telling the people who aren't right for them, like, hey, I know you think this cat is wonderful and they mm-hmm. are, but, you know, there are sometimes when they do go home, they'll revert back to their being like frightened, being reserved, being reactive stage. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, can you handle it? can you yeah. handle it so so um, i'm guessing a lot of pe- some people as well when they go into the rescue and look for a you know a forever a, a forever free friend a companion um most of the time people you know like to go oh i like this cat because this cat is pretty looks pretty yeah you know like and then coon mixes ragdoll mm, siamese cats yeah and so i think a lot of people judge too much like oh this cat is very cute and pretty so this means that this cat is going to be just the perfect cat it's going to let me do whatever i want with them and i know that you've told me there have been several times where people come in with that mindset and they go oh i want a small kitten that's really cute or i like this cat because they're pretty and so your task you're you're you are it there to kind of steer them in the right direction because you not only talk to people right but then Mm -hmm. you also know the cats so how difficult is it for you when you're vetting people who are applying to for a certain cat to be like oh this cat might not be right for you how do you you know how do you navigate through that so one of the many roles that i have at the rescue is playing being an adoption counselor matchmaking and being able to navigate these situations Mm -hmm. and it's not as hard as you would think i think over the years you just develop you know you pick things up and you're able to subtly you know play certain attributes of the cats up that may not be so appealing to people play Mm -hmm. those up so now these you know how people look at things with like rose colored rose colored flowers and stuff yeah whatever that phrase is yeah now that kind of starts to like okay where maybe that cat is not right for me. So mm. it's not that hard, but there are certain situations where, you know, you kind of just have to um, prepare the adopter as well as you can for the ki- the cat they're bringing home. If mm-hmm. they feel like they're in love with them, then, you know, yeah. and most of the time it really works out well. Um, my job doesn't always, it, it doesn't end when the cat goes home. It continues on. So if any issues come up, like we're, always there for the people who adopt from us because we always want to be there for the cats Yeah, because we know that there are things that can come up that can be difficult. Um, and because we have had so many different experiences, we can offer uh, different perspectives on how to deal with things and just handhold people. Cause that's, you know, all that's needed sometimes mm. just walking, um, validating people's feelings and walking them through, you know, solutions. But when people say they want a pretty cat, that's cute. It's really cute. It's not, you know, we don't have uh, specific breeds at the rescue, so we can easily say, like, we don't have Maine Coons, we don't have Ragdolls, we don't yeah. have Bengals, which, by the way, if you try to get a Bengal, good luck. Yeah. You, most of the time people are like, gosh, there are a lot of... There are a lot um, of maintenance and yeah, work. and work and just... 
you know, they're they're wild creatures, but um, so we don't deal with that too much. Mm-hmm. But when it does come in, it is really annoying and frustrating because mm-hmm. we know that it's more than just the looks, obviously. Yeah. Um. So yeah, over the years, you just develop. You know, it just it's it becomes second nature where you can play things up, play things down, mm-hmm. depending on the person that is interested in in adopting. Yeah. And then the difficult task, too, is, you know, trying to find people who will... Because it's easy to take, a, like, a cat that is, you know, is simple, loving, caring, doesn't bite. It's like, you can fuck that up, too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah, you can. But I would say most people, you know, especially for maybe first time, yeah. first time cat adopters, um, giving them a cat or pairing them up with a cat who is simple, um is is a lot easier than you know pairing them with a cat that has special medical conditions because there are cats that have special needs that maybe you know are like what's the name of the cat that that is blind that can't see oh lane lane so there are some cats that that obviously can't see but they're they're totally fine and they exist and so there are some people that maybe look at those cats and go Oh, I don't I don't want this cat or or this cat is too much work. Yeah. You know? And so it takes a special kind of person to see a cat like that and be like, this is a cat that I want to take. Mm-hmm. You know? How many times does that happen? How many times do people actually come in and look for cats that are like, this cat needs a lot of love and work? Um, not often, I think, and especially during the pandemic where a lot of people wanted pet pets, mm-hmm. you don't, you definitely get people that are experienced pet parents and they come in and, you know, someone that may see, seem difficult to a first time adopter is not difficult at all for, um, an experienced pet parent, but, um, Sorry, what's the question again? That how many times do people come in oh. looking for special needs cats? Not very often. And that's kind of like a savior complex a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? So like when we hear when we hear that, we're like, mm, you know, we don't get excited. We take it with like a grain of salt and we're just like, mm-hmm. okay, let's let's see Try it what out. else is listed mm. on their application to see if you know their words match up with their other you know information mm. and just see how they interact with the cats but for the most part people come in and you know we get a really good sense of what they're interested in what they can handle so it is a lot of like you know even though you're telling me one thing i'm reading between the lines i'm hearing what you're not saying so yeah. i can do these cats justice you yeah. know um yeah and sometimes i think it's also um, and guys, I know this, I, I, obviously I'm not an expert, but I, I bring most of this up because, you know, we obviously live together. So you yeah, bring so your, deal with my shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's not, I'm not dealing with your shit, <laughs> but you bring a lot of your work home with you. So I know a lot of this stuff. Sometimes I've gotten involved too. You know, sometimes there have been cats that have gotten, uh, have escaped or gotten lost or they got scared or something happened. Yeah. So we have to go on like these. Not search and rescue, but we have to go out and try to find a cat. So, you know, there are some times where uh, I get <laughs> I get involved. I get into these things and it's it's not like uh, there obviously is no obligation for me to do it. But because you are my partner, mm-hmm. it's like I can't 
not help you yeah. type of thing. And what's been really nice to see, sorry, Hilden, is that You're because good. I bring so much of my work home with me, and especially with fosters, mm-hmm. is that I've seen your love of cats grow. Your love of animals, to be honest, is yeah. focused on cats because that's what's, you know, presented <laughs> very, very often. But mm. um, it's been really nice to see your affection towards animals, just being a little more mindful. Um, it's grown a whole ton, and that's really, you know, it means a lot. And we're not gonna make it weird. I'm just no, saying that means a no, lot. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not weird at all that no. you're complimenting me like this. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So essentially, that is what Leslie does in a nutshell. Obviously, and there are way more things that she does that helps out the rescue. And and obviously, all of this is like all of the work that she and the volunteers do is for the betterment of the cats, for them to find great homes they're forever homes you know um because it is sad seeing little kitties outside and it like before i used to be like oh it's just a nice cat whatever but now i see it and i'm like oh my god like i feel sad because i could i always compare the cats that are outside the stray cats to sophia the cat that we have at home and i always feel like i always try to be like oh she would be you know like if she was a stray cat, I would want to take her in. Like, I can't imagine her being outside in the dark or whatever, having to fend in for herself. Rain, in, in the, the rain, yeah. in the heat, and whatever, you know, trying to avoid traffic. Which is why it's very important for everyone. PSA right now. Spay neuter your yes, pets. Yes, spay neuter. Always. If you have uh, a stray cat, uh, you know, population living <laughs> living near you, get in touch with the rescue or get in touch with your local rescues to yeah. learn about trap near return so you can go and help, um, you know, pre- prevent um, unnecessary suffering by, you know, just living out in the streets. Most yeah. of the cats that are born out there, they die or they die, you know, very painful and just you know dying is dying but they they yeah. suffer a lot they yeah. suffer a lot during their time out there um so yeah spay and neuter your pets yeah keep them inside if you can yeah um and learn about tnr we're yeah. happy to help but there is a huge like overpopulation problem in los angeles mm-hmm. and although um although th- I, I don't know uh, how to say it, but I think the cities try to like label itself as a no kill uh, city. Mm-hmm. It's fucking false, you know. Is it? Yeah, Talk it about is. it. Talk about it. I don't know the f- straight up facts. I should, mm-hmm. and I will get this information. <laughs> Give me but a minute. I'll look it up on Google. Essentially, um, you know, I think a shelter. We're we're a adoption facility, so we're not necessarily, and we're no kill. Mm-hmm. We're not like a city shelter that it has to accept any animal that comes their way. We yeah. um, we run on you know if we're at capacity, we're at capacity. We can't yeah. take anyone in at the rescue or mm-hmm. in our foster homes. Um, but city shelters have to deal with all of the animals that come their way. Um, and I think it's like as long as 90% of the population at a shelter, if, you know, if they're kept alive, great. That's how it's labeled, like, no kill. But there is, like, still 10% that are being, you know, yeah. euthanized, whether it's because uh, neonatal kittens, so kittens who are, like, 
they're teeny. They're being bottle fed. Mm -hmm. They require a lot of time. They require a lot of just manpower to keep them alive. Yeah. So those are euthanized very, very often because there aren't enough uh, foster homes to take these guys home. Mm -hmm. Um, If anyone's sick, if anyone, you know, is under socialized or feral, those cats can't be listed as adoptable. Yeah. So they euthanize them. And it goes the same for other animals. So dogs, bunnies, whatever. Yeah. So Can you explain real quick what feral, what a feral cat is to people who don't know? A feral cat is different from a stray cat in a sense. And again, there are official dis, you know, ways to dis- describe these things or definitions, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, a feral cat is a cat that's lived their life. Um, you know, they were born outdoors. They weren't socialized with humans. They don't want anything to do with us. They see you. They're like, fuck you. Bye. <laughs> they see you. You try to touch them or whatever. They're not uh-huh. going to let you touch them. But if you yeah. touch them, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to fuck yeah. you up. Uh, you're going to feel their pain <laughs> or mm-hmm. the pain they inflict. Yeah. So yeah, feral cats are cats that live out doors. They are wild. They are not, you know, uh, they don't want to be friends with us and that's fine. Yeah. Do, do feral cats live amongst other feral cats? Do they get along with other feral cats or they just stay like... There's definitely like a hierarchy as with most, you know, colonies. Mm-hmm. So um, most of these cats are cats' cats. So they love cats and they don't like mm-hmm. humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't have a colony that is fixed, you know, they, they're not no spay neuter. Um, a lot of the male cats can become... It's the nature of the beast. They become territorial. They fight yeah. over food. Um, <laughs> female cats, women. Um, they just repopulate. Yeah, but they're fighting. They're aggressive. Oh, it's okay. their nature to mm. want to be top cat out there. Mm, okay. So, you know, they get along, but there are fights, obviously. And yeah. um, fun fact. Oh, my goodness. Fucking nerd. Do it, do it, do it. No. <laughs> okay. It. So fun fact, like male cats, sometimes referred uh, like tom cats, bruisers. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell they're male cats uh, living outdoors that haven't been fixed. So they have this like melon head. It's just hmm. a large head on a cat. And the reason being is as, you know, they go through uh, sexual maturation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't get fixed. Uh, they develop jowls and jowls essentially are like extra cushioning on their cheeks Mm -hmm. so when they get into fights it's like protection oh wow so they can they can you know withstand a lot of a lot of yeah pain or whatever and it's also like hey look at that handsome you know look at that big man across the street (laughs) (laughs) so it's almost like uh, it's like evolution like we're like women are naturally attracted to to men who have like I don't know about that. I think. Well, I, but I'm like, I'm just saying like, that's kind of how, what, what cats see is like, oh, this is a protector, a provider. I don't think so. No? I think it's when a cat goes into heat, she doesn't it care just, who she oh. gets it from, whether it's the cat next door, whether it's her litter mate. It's just that time. And I thought, yeah, it can happen. Really? Yeah. I thought that cat, female cats had like specific type of like, oh, this cat is top dog alpha. No. That's interesting. Um, I didn't know that. We were fostering kittens who, because they had ringworm for quite some time, 
um, they weren't fixed and they were until they were nine, 10 months old. Mm-hmm. And so I was very worried that because they were both girls and boys in the mix. Oh, the ones that, the ones that were <laughs> yeah. in our house. Okay. Yeah. I was um, like, who is this? That one of them was yeah. pregnant just because she was a little round. Turns out she she's just fat. She's just chubby. <laughs> she's chubby. <laughs> Which is totally fine. Our maybe baby. Yeah. Um, but anyways, there was one night we were both going to bed. We were locking uh-huh. up, making sure everything was taken care of. Yeah. And I heard the strangest sound. Coming from our den. Can you can you replicate that? I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Maybe actually. Um, And so I was, (laughs) I was like, "Held in, held in." And I open the tent, (laughs) and I see my sweet babies. (laughs) I see my sweet babies trying to have sex with each other. Yeah, gross. And so I normally (laughs) have to like um, suit up, you know, while they were under quarantine, suit up, so I wouldn't pass any germs to my cat or our other foster cat i just ran in there broke up whatever you know going on the sex that was trying to (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it doesn't matter whether they're siblings or not Mm -hmm. when a girl needs to she needs it she needs when when nature calls obviously (laughs) (laughs) here comes ozzy playing god no you're not going to procreate so yeah we were saying how, um, yeah, I, I don't think they're really attracted. To, I mean, there are some cats that I'm, I'm guessing are more attracted mm-hmm. than others, but I think it really just is, you know, who's ever there at the moment trying mm-hmm. to court them because, yeah, yeah seeing your little <laughs> your little 10-month-old foster <laughs> kitten trying to court her brother, lifting oh my her God. tail up yeah, just it's a pretty little to the side. Disturbing. Yeah, it was a lot. But anyways... Um, what were you talking about? About before? just that, just the like we were talking about the oh, yeah. feral cats, and, and stuff then like that. you, yeah, it's the big tom cats. They have that that big old head to protect them from mm-hmm. um, the fights that they get into, and mm-hmm. the fights are really really intense. I'm sure you guys have heard them outside. Yeah, well, outside go, of that, or the cats are having sex. Yeah, <laughs> you can never differentiate. <laughs> well, if you guys hear them, if you guys ever hear them, just go outside and just. Look at what position that they're in. Are they if they're on top of each other, swiping at each other? No, probably like fighting. Chumbling around. Yeah. If they're never mind. You guys know. I'm not gonna I get need the who. But uh but yeah, so the, the you know, the world of cats is, you know, definitely fascinating because there's such I think people give them a bad rap for not being loving. And there are some cats, and we've had them obviously, um, that they are literally a dog just trapped in a cat's body they're very dog-like they're very energetic they're incredibly smart too depending some are some are a little smarter than others but um cats are very they're very they're very loving creatures and companions and for some people who you know maybe don't have the the appropriate space to have a dog Mm -hmm. you know because dogs need to go outside and walk and run and you know get rid of energy you know, sometimes a cat is a good compromise if you want to have uh, a companion, you know, because they're so most of them are very low maintenance. Do you and I, I just had this thought and it might be a thought that's already been established by science. Mm-hmm. But introverted people tend to, you know, be drawn to cats a little more, whereas mm-hmm. like extroverted people like dogs are just more that makes sense. outgoing, more sociable and yeah. more just, you know, they're up for adventures. I think that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, you kind of look for some for a companion that matches your energy. I used to be 
a very much like a no, I don't want no cats, blah blah blah. Yeah, you fucking hated Sophia when she she first came into my life. He hated because you talked about her all the fucking time. When you get a cat, you'll understand that for some reason we just go crazy over them. Maybe it's the toxoplasmosis that's in their litter. What's (laughs) that? It's this uh, parasite, or yeah, I think it's a parasite that can be like you know when you're dealing with their litter box. Uh It can be transmitted that way, but there's no real, um, like there's, let me see, a disease that results from infection with the tox, toxoplasma gondii parasite. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> toxoplasmosis, if a rat has it, for example, okay, they're not fearful of cats. They're like, oh my God, you're the fucking best. Let's be friends. And the cat's like, why, why are you not running? So is it kind of like... Uh a signal to be like, hey, I'm cool type of thing, or like, or hey, that that particular creature is is all is all good. I don't know. Well, I know with the rats, it's just they lose their innate fear of cats, Tom and Jerry. Interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like in humans, we joke around that we all have it because we're just fucking obsessed with <laughs> the cats. A little, you know, huh, crazy cat lady. That's why you get that term. But yeah, um, I never heard that. I never, I didn't know that. Crazy was a cat thing. lady? No, no, no. I, I know that's a thing clearly, but I'm Fuck saying you. the. <laughs> what's it? The toxic what? Toxo- Toxoplasmosis. Toxoplasmosis. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that 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 was a thing. Um, but anyways, you become crazy. You'll know. You'll yeah, know. and it's honestly the day you get a cat, like it might take a little longer than seven seventy percent of your pictures and your camera roll are probably your cat. Yeah, they're chill. They're really um, they're really awesome friends to have. Yeah, they're low maintenance. Um, I mean, yeah, you form a bond with anyone that you know. The the pet you choose to adopt, whether it's a cat, whether it's a dog, but yeah. obviously. Whoever you're drawn to, because it is a lifelong commitment that you're signing up to take care of. They're not something that you should be like, oh, well, I'm moving to an apartment that doesn't allow pets. Well, no, you gotta get rid of them. You yeah. gotta, you know, think, think a little more logically. You can't just dump them outside. You shouldn't. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that's something that happened a lot during the pandemic. Is a lot of people because they were at home so much more, they became lonely. They couldn't see their friends. So. And obviously, this is not something you should do highly advised against because it's very extreme. It's extremely selfish is people went out and got pets, dogs and cats. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now that the pandemic is starting, well, I mean, it's starting to go up again. But like restrictions are starting to lift up. People are wanting to go out and enjoy the outdoors, et cetera. Going back to work, having a job that requires you to be out of the house Mm -hmm. that where people feel they can't handle their dog that they don't want to train or couldn't train or for some reason. Or that reason. they don't have time for them anymore. Yeah, which is, you know, yeah. it's a different story, but. Yeah, and so now rescues and shelters are being bombarded with dogs. And I presume cats as well. Yeah, uh, we don't get hit by that, obviously, because we're just, you know, we're a, a private organization. We're not open to the public, but yeah. it's definitely a, a issue that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really sad. And so, you know, it, it, it sucks because these are animals that for I'm sure a large part, a large portion of the time that they were in those homes formed a bond with whoever they were living with, you know, and then to have them just be dropped off because now you are in inconvenience or you don't have time. It It's extremely sad. It's just, it's extremely disheartening. So, you know, yeah. anytime you want to adopt a pet, um, 
understand what you're getting yourself into. You are going to be most, most, I mean, I would say 99.9% of the time, unless you're like 80 years old, you are going to outlive that pet. So you have to be ready to take care of them from the moment you get them thick and thin to the moment that they pass away. And if you would like the companionship of an animal, but don't want that lifelong commitment, Mm -hmm. there is a thing called fostering. And fostering is a way you can help animals out while satisfying that, like, you know, I want a buddy, but I don't want to keep them forever. You don't want a long-term commitment. Yeah, you know, for those people with commitment issues. Sometimes that does turn into a long-term commitment. What's the phrase that is? It happens to the best of us. It's Uh called foster failing. Okay. And most people who do foster, they end up doing it. You know, most of the time it's like the first time they do it. Um, But, yeah, it's a thing where... You're not failing. You're just, you know, you you can't bear the thought of parting with the animal you've cared for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. And you are, you, you know, you can't see them in someone else's home. They are part of your life. So you fail at fostering, but you succeed at finding them a lovely um, forever home. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's something that, um, you know, is encouraged because not only are you, well, and I'm, and I'm referring specifically to fostering. Yeah. Not only are you helping out, um, helping, I guess not socialize this cat, but providing care and love for this cat, but you're also helping with, you know, uh, making capacity, space. making space for shelters and rescues yeah. that desperately need it. So it's everybody wins. You know, the cat gets a gets a great home, um, and then when it leads to foster failing. It's even better because it's like, hey, now you have a forever home. Now we don't have to look for a home for you. We don't have to go and vet for people to come and be like, this person is the right person for this one. If the cat is happy where they are, then cool. Let them, you know. They can stay there. You still got a vet though. <laughs> okay, yeah, you still you do, <laughs> but but, but I'm assuming of finding them a home yeah. is you know check check that off. Your but list. I'm also assuming that if somebody is fostering them and the cat is doing okay, mm-hmm. it's less of a like. It's less of a burden to be like, well, is this person, is it, or am I wrong? Well, there are experiences where, like, okay, so part of my job, besides being an adoption counselor, is I'm the, uh, I don't love it, but I'm the designated foster coordinator. So uh-huh. I review applications that come in, and I help pair up the animals that you know people are asking us help with, mm-hmm. with foster homes. And there have been a few times where we're not excited about people foster failing. For example, there was this one girl who, um, you know, didn't have secure window screens in her window. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, two cats she was fostering with got out and was hit by a car. Right. And Mm -hmm. so a terrible, uh, tragic accident and something we obviously learned from and we changed and adjusted things to double check uh, double check safety measures at home. Mm-hmm. But then she wanted to adopt the second cat. Mm. <laughs> That's the other cat. <laughs> so you're like, mm-hmm. and we're like, well, you know, there was other things that went on that were like, well, you didn't really learn from that lesson. Yeah. So our yeah. goal is to get this cat out of your home and into the rescue where they can be, yeah. you know, safe. There was another incident, uh, not another incident, but another, Situation Mm -hmm. where someone that's really young wanted to adopt her kittens that she fostered, Mm -hmm. which, you know, ultimately, well, most of the time we get excited about, but all of us just had a gut feeling like, hey, it wasn't going to work out. 
for one yeah. reason or another, we didn't process the adoption the way we normally do. Mm-hmm. I guess just giving her time to see if it was like a real thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, like when the cats were now eight, nine months old, she's like, hey, you guys, they need to move in. Uh, oh, wow. She had some health issues going on. I think mental health issues. Yeah. Which no one like health issues, mental health issues, no one has control over. And it's not something that, you know, someone chooses it's not, a, not an off switch. Yeah. yeah. So obviously we understand, but there were like red flags initially where we couldn't get excited about an application yeah. because of those, you know, things. Yeah. And ultimately we just want the best. We want to want the best for both the humans and the cats. So yeah. yeah. A foster failing is something that typically happens, but fostering is a nice way to contribute, um, you know, nice way to contribute to a shelter to an animal organization without necessarily signing up to adopt them forever or um yeah like with our organization we provide all the supplies needed and we are there if any issues come up and we kind of stress that if issues do come up let us know because otherwise it's a pain in our it's a little bit uh, you know of an obstacle to uh remedy those issues once they've progressed to the point where it is you know it is a it thing that like a the habit cat just fucking pisses on the rug, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, most of, when they do that, they're trying to tell you something. They're yeah. trying to tell you something. And it's up yeah. to us to decipher whether we're not, whether we're messing up by not cleaning their bathroom yeah. as often as they should, because yeah. no one wants to use a dirty bathroom. I guarantee you when you go into a public restroom and it's dirty as you shit know, all over the place, there's piss on the floor, whatever toilet yeah. paper, you're not going to want to use that. So yeah. a cat's a very clean animal. And if you don't do that for them, they develop behavioral issues. They'll let you know. Yeah. One way or another. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Some people, I think, um, you know, feel like because cats aren't able to show excitement the way a dog does, that they have no emotions, which is not true. I think it's just cats are more subtle in the well. To us, they're not they're subtle because, aggressive. yeah, they're passive. They're passively showing you their emotions. So you have to know what to look for. Like, for example, uh, I can't show you guys visually, but if a cat, if we ever see a cat that is like, is like kind of pulling and tugging at a blanket, like if they're making dough, they're needing the. If they're needing, you know, like when you're, if you're, if you made pizza or you're cooking pasta or whatever the fuck, and you have to make dough, you have to like smush it with your hands, right? So I think that's called kneading. Yeah. And so cats do that. Biscuits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cats do that, and they. Often people in the cat community call it making biscuits um, because they are. It's comfort. It's that's what it's they would do with content. mama when they would want some milk out of those, you know, that out milk bar. Mm-hmm. And so it would stimulate the the milk. Right. And so th- and that's something that just stays with cats pretty much, I would say, the rest of their lives. So when you see a cat doing that and you hear them purring, it means that they are happy where they are. They feel good. They feel content. They're comfortable. And so it's a good sign. So some people are like, oh, why are they doing that? Blah, blah, blah. So like there are these kind of like general cat behaviors that most people recognize. And they're very simple to. to oh, wait, wait, wait. Can I tell you something? Sure. So, okay. We had an adopter come in for an adoption appointment mm-hmm. the other week. And a cat went on their lap and started purring. Oh. And the person was like, what is this cat doing? Really? <laughs> Why is it vibrating? They didn't know? They didn't know. Oh. 
<laughs> exactly. Why is it vibrating? And you know. Oh my god. Look, we appreciate anyone's interest for the most part. That's probably a little mm-hmm. bit of a lie. Uh, we appreciate people's interest in uh, adopting animals. Uh-huh. But at that point, I'm like, well, why do you want to ca- Like, what, you know? Is it Have just you, like an yeah. ideal, idealized, romanticized, uh, you know, just like a romanticized idea in your head of just having a cat that just hangs out? Yeah. Like, they are more than just ornaments in the house. Right, right, right. So anyway... I know I'm a crazy cat person. We all know this. I take a little bit of of, of that too. Okay, that's where Just I'm going bit, to. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead. What's been so uh, trying to hype up like the foster program? What's been your, you know, the best experience you've had, or like the most rewarding experience you have, you've had dealing with fosters, foster cats. Yeah. Um, I think the most rewarding thing has been and this is specifically one cat that we have right now uh oh. gremlin oh grammy okay so gremlin is a a relatively small cat she's medium size she's medium, medium size she's, medium. she's a medium size cat pudgy. um but she is uh kind of timid you know she's a little reserved but she is also very loving and i've noticed that as so so just some context right we had the cats that we were talking about earlier the ringworm cats the ancestral um, the, cats the, the the cats that were trying that to was incest that was Graham's? that was Graham. i she thought was, it was Maeve no Maeve was kicking her brothers out she's like uh-uh, I'm <laughs> I not about that. it she was oh, in heat no. but she was like not you not you poor Graham's. okay so we had a tell us about this cat okay let me just rewind first to to how the history of these cats real quick. So these are these five cats, right? They came as kittens. They so they came were born November and we got them like what, like December, January, very right. early. They were small when they came into our system. Right. And so they uh, had initially found uh, a family, right? Or a, like a foster, for foster. family. Yeah. 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 They had found a foster family who they were with up until when did we get them? June. June, June 11th. Up until June. Yeah. June 11th. And so there was a situation where the family couldn't take care of them. So... Me and Leslie took them in, right? And this is something that I think you've said. Like, nat- normally we don't. You don't. A foster does not take that many cats in at the same time, especially with the ring, the ringworm. No, well, or, we just normally we don't ask fosters to take five, basically adult-sized cats, even though they're you know kittens, ten months old, nine months yeah, old. Yeah, but they're they're pretty much they're, big. Yeah, yeah, they're as big as they're gonna get. Yeah. and the reason we took them is because. Me having the skills that I have, uh, I deal with special cases. And in this case, they had a fungal infection yeah. that required them to be with someone who knew uh, how to be doing. a little more hands-on with their treatment. Right. So that's why we took them in. So there was five of them. Now, uh, with all the hard work that Leslie did, um, they, were to, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> they were able to um, get rid of the... They cleared yeah, the ringworm. They cleared the ringworm, so they were able to go. And right, and when we had them, we had them secluded from a from our house, from the rest of the house. So we they were in one room. In one room yeah. yeah. So we had them isolated. Sorry, that, that's the word. Isolated in one room. And so they cleared the ringworm. They we were able to let them out into the rest of the house, so they can they you were know in Gen Pop. Yeah. And so, um, th- w- w- 
three of them got their um, applications in. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Three of them were able to move in yeah. to the rescue because they were space, there was space for them now. Yeah. So we sent in Jace, Stevie, who I call Stevo because he's a little silly boy. And Stevo's kind of a dumbass and jackass. And then uh, Maeve. And so three of them moved in. So we were left with two more. One of them who still is receiving treatment for a special kind of the, uh, the infection. The or coronavirus. So the, the cat version of the coronavirus. So she's still staying with us because she's receiving treatment. And then the other one who's staying with us is Gremlin. And so I noticed that as those three cats left, Gremlin became a little bit more like, oh, it's just me and that She's other cat. She's a wallflower. So she is very adorable. And so I think for me, and obviously I have not spent as much time with these cats as you have. Mm-hmm. But the, small, the times that I've interacted with them as a group, Gremlin has been the one who has been the most, Gremlin and Stevie, those two were the ones that were the most scared of me. Yeah, I remember you coming into work and saying, oh, the skittish cat. Talking about Gremlin, like, babe, don't fucking say skittish in front of my coworkers. You did not use that word. That wasn't Gremlin. That was was uh, Gremlin. At the rescue? At the rescue when we went to go pick her up from her space. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a skittish cat. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, I guess that's offensive. <laughs> I gave you the look. Yeah, so that's offensive. <laughs> well, because these kittens have been with people their entire lives. But, but to me, but to me, she was yeah. skittish. So, so she is. So she was very timid around me. Very skittish. Skittish, we'll say to me, to me. And so I didn't really like interact with her too much. But then once Jace Stevie, who was also a little skittish towards me, and Maeve left, she became a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, and so. I think that is the most rewarding thing to see is that, you know, obviously, like I said, I didn't spend as much time with the cats as you did. But I did, you know, do my do a little bit of uh, feeding, taking care of the litter sometimes, playing with them. Yeah, you took care of the playing part. <laughs> I did the playing. I love playing with cats. They're, they're a ball. Um, and so having her be a little bit more uh, flirtatious with me mm-hmm. has been extremely rewarding because you see that. You know, even though this cat acted a certain way with around the other cats, she is very loving. And so sometimes she'll be hanging out by the window in her little court. We'll call it a hammock Mm -hmm. in her little hammock. And then I'll walk up to her. And so when cats like throw themselves like roll around and they expose their belly to you, it means sometimes it's a trap. (laughs) Sometimes it's a trap. But most of the time, I would say it means that, hey, like, I like you. I want a belly rub. Yeah, because I trust belly, you. I trust you. It's because they're vulnerable. If they're showing you their belly, it's because they're vulnerable. Why are they vulnerable? Because that's where their vital organs are. Yeah. Right? So you got to learn a little bit. He does listen. He does Shit. listen. And so when she started doing that, that's when I was like, oh, my God. Like, she actually, she's like, oh, I kind of like you, bro. So that was so far the most rewarding thing. The other cat, Tiger, is... Uh, She's a bully. She's a bully. She was very, very sick. Um, she, with the FIP, that's the feline infectious peritonitis. Essentially, most cats have like a form of their own, you know, feline coronavirus. Yeah. But there are some cats where, you know, whether it's an environment, it can be environmental like stressors and also their genetic disposition. Yeah. Where that coronavirus can mutate into FIP. Right. And that's when 
It, it used to be fatal up until I want to say one or two years ago when uh, there is experimental medicine going on that can be purchased a very specific way that I will not mention. Um, came <laughs> yeah. about and shown, uh, you know, Amazon. showed a lot of no, a lot of <laughs> promise uh, in curing this, you know, fatal, fatal disease. But mm-hmm. anyways, Tiger was really sick. She went under treat. She went uh, underwent treatment. Yeah. And when I picked her up, she technically finished treatment. But as soon as I, you know, got her into the house, gave her her self-reliant bath, I could just tell she was off. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until that she fully cleared, she and her siblings fully cleared uh, ringworm. ringworm that I was able to see the contrast, the stark contrast between her and her siblings' energy levels. Yeah. And that's when we started medication again. And she was also very skinny. She was very skinny. She was her coat looked like she looked like an old cat and she was a baby yeah anyway she's a bully (laughs) now that we have her under treatment her personality she's gotten superpowers i'm fucking here i joke around or i've mentioned that maybe it's because the entire time she was sick her siblings were like just stepping all over her like just playing all over her but she's a bully um what okay so now she's on steroids she's yeah she got that roid 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 rage. rage i can't say it um, Heldon wanted to was very interested in adopting another special case. Oh my god! Took in. Wait, so who? Who was it? Skinny cow. Oh my god! Yeah. Skinny cow is the one that got away. He was. He went. He ended up in a great home with a former coworker yeah, and friend yeah, of mine. Yeah. But um, that's why I'm not. I'm not <laughs> bummed because I know that skinny cow is in a great home. But he had I had it my way. Yeah, he would have been mine. But you know what? Everything happens for a reason. Sophia hates other cats so <laughs> having another cat maybe is not in the card for us um, not right now yeah, yeah but we can continue to help other kitties out uh skinny cow and his siblings the ice cream kitties needed um they came to us as bottle babies and oh, okay so let's yeah let's talk about that that when, chapter when i got out of college i think the volunteer coordinator of Santidor, uh, you know, mentioned that there was another place nearby that was looking to hire. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll try. Yeah. And, you know, I got the job. What I'm did you sure. graduate with? Uh, what was your title when you graduated from UCI? By the way, she graduated from UCI. Oh, fuck. A political science major. What am I doing with it? I don't know. Feeding but cats. Feeding cats. Uh, I took a job at a kitten nursery, kitten rescue, working at the nursery. Mm-hmm. So working with the neonatal kittens, bottled babies, kittens up to like nine. Can you explain what neonatal means? Yeah, just like motherless kittens that require the humans to be like mama bear. Okay. okay. So around the clock here. Okay. So anyways, I developed a lot of skills during that time. Then I came to work at Santa Door and developed more skills. But anyways, okay. Sorry, it's okay. So, like so I was saying, babies. I worked at Kitten Rescue, and then an opportunity came up where I was able to work at the place I, you know, love dearly, Santi Dor. And I took along my kitten uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And whenever there are bottle babies, uh, I'm, I'm like the quote unquote expert. You're on the them. one that they go to. Uh, yeah. When Most of the time. The primary person. Yeah. Anyways, uh, there was these kittens that were found in a box by a woman that was walking her dog back in April. 
they went to my coworker, and you know, a month or two later, she had to pass them off um, to a new foster. And that new foster uh, hadn't taken care of kittens that young in a while, and the kittens started crashing. And so, what that means is they tried to die on us a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, when that started happening, I was just like, I rushed over to pick up the kittens. The one looked like she was on death's doors, literally. I went to go pick her up, and the person who had her just handed her to me. And as she was handing her to me, the kitten was peeing. So she didn't have control of her bladder. Mm-hmm. That was either Klondike or Bluebell. Mm-hmm. Took them to the rescue, gave fluids, uh, did around the clock like sugar on their gums to keep mm-hmm. their blood sugar levels up. And she was fine. Everything was fine. And now we had four bottle babies <laughs> that we had to take care of. That's how they came in. And... It was very, very great that I took all four because for the next several days up to like a week, they each took turns trying to die on me and held in as a witness, uh, as my witness, just saw how these guys were, you know, great one moment Mm -hmm. and the next moment, the next feeding, someone was super limp. They were lethargic. They were... Mm -hmm. Their eyes got so dilated where you're like, are you even there? What's going on? Their head, like their head would just not stay still. There was like neurological stuff going on at that point. Yeah. And, you know, I I nursed them back to health health, thanks to Heldon being my support system. No, you were. You were my support system while I was getting no sleep. (laughs) I was more support. Yeah, baby, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was getting well, more I was watching sleep. TV. <laughs> You're like, oh, I hope he makes it. <laughs> oh, are we still going to dinner? Um, so we did it. We got through it. And Heldon fell in love with the small the runt of the litter skinny cow. He was already the smallest baby out of all of them. Because they're all small. They are all obviously They're just kittens. way too they're, small for their age. Yeah, they're way too small for their age. But Skinny Cow in particular was extremely small and skinny. Yeah. That was- and so, and and then let's not also just gloss over the fact that you brought back to life <laughs> four cats that were literally brink of death every single time. And it's not like these cats are all like doing fine at the same time and then moving to death at the same time. No. Each individual cat crashed on their own and was testing Leslie to her fucking max. All of them took a turn. I think some of them did it twice. A couple of them did it more than twice. A couple of them did it more than twice. So this is what she, what Leslie was talking about when she said that uh, with a, uh, around the clock care is that you're literally up every what? Three hours? Every couple of hours. Every couple of hours. It's like having a child, a baby, a newborn baby that you're feeding every time they wake up. Every with bottle babies, yeah. yeah. But with these guys, it was like literally being up for like the entire time because you were just so worried they were yeah. going to die yeah. that you couldn't sleep knowing that they were <laughs> in that state. Yeah. So you would just, you know, lay down next to them, close your eyes and yeah. hope that they moved. <laughs> next time you peeked open. And there were times where like they, it got to a point where they were all, they seemed fine. Yeah. All of them. And then they just slowly started going back yeah. into it again. They were like non-responsive. Yeah. And then we thought we were like, we made it out the woods. I didn't have to take him to work with me anymore. And I left him home with Helton. Helton oh learned how to God. bottle feed. So props to him. <laughs> I had to learn. Um, but uh, yeah, for my sanity, so don't say it didn't help because you, you know, okay. I didn't have to take him to work a couple of times because you were able to do that mm. middle of the day feeding. 
Um, but yeah, just one Tuesday afternoon, I get a call from Helton being like, Hey, this cat's not walking. Right. This cat's not. Yeah. They were just not walking. They were not. They were showing like, like neurological They were just symptoms. very, like you said, they were very lethargic. They could call ataxia. I think. That's, oh, that's the name? Like their uncoordinated movements and then the neurological symptoms they were showing. Yeah, yeah. Were, okay. Yeah. I don't know what the what was wrong with these kids, yeah. but we did it. But anyway, so they came out alive. They all of them are thriving. And uh one of them in particular, like we said, was Skinny Cow, who was just very adorable. He's a very lovable cat. Yeah. Extremely lovable. Um, we went to visit him. Oh like yeah. A month or two ago. Yeah. And I picked him up and he just slapped me across the face. So that's cats for you. Yeah. I literally saved him so many times. And he's like, Whoosh. hey, that's that's the way they And then us. with me, he was like cuddling up next to me and yeah. like. Because you're the cool parent. You're the one that, you know, <laughs> I eh, like sometimes sticking with needles. I got to, you that's know. That's true. You have to manhandle them. Or yeah. whatever the fuck. And I'm over there like, who wants to play? Let's take videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's all necessary <laughs> stuff for sure. Yeah. But anyway, so so this these kind of things happen, you know, like people who go into fostering and sometimes it's not even that the a spouse or partner of the other person, you know, advocates for it, but it just happens because of the nature of their work. And you just naturally start to have, be a little bit more compassionate for these animals. Yeah. And you start to see that, Hey, you know what? These are living creatures and they express love. They express frustration, stress. They feel all these emotions the same way that humans do. And some people are just very superficial about them. That oh, because they look cute on my Instagram, I'm gonna grab them. And that's why you shouldn't fun. have a cat. <laughs> and that's why you shouldn't have a cat. You need to realize that cat and dogs as well. Any yeah. pet, any pet that you get, whether it's a hamster, yeah. a ferret. I don't know if that's legal. A tortoise, uh, not a tortoise. Well, maybe yeah. A turtle, like all these, all these creatures, these amazing creatures, deserve love and attention and care. And it's not just something. It's not just something that you can just make on. A decision that you can make on a whim and be yeah. like, oh, I, today I feel like getting a rabbit, you yeah. know, and just whatever. And then you Especially realize, during oh. during Easter where people are like, fucking <laughs> oh my God. God. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. So. Um, one thing about Gremlin that you love how you appreciate how she's opened up. I call those kitties wallflower cats. And because they remind me of me, it's like mm -hmm. I definitely take a back seat in most things. I do not like attention. Phrase Which is why she's and on the compliments podcast. make me so uncomfortable. Yeah. I love helping people. I love You're helping very animals. Yeah. But the attention get from that is, you know. But um, like gremlin, like these wallflower cats, it's like we're really great. We're just hanging out in the back. If there's other people that are taking the lead on things, cool. They can have that spotlight. We're yeah. not missing it. But when we get the opportunity to, you know, just the space to express ourselves to feel yeah. comfortable yeah you know diamond in the rough she's really great and i knew that was going to happen as soon as the siblings went home and you said that too you're like she's going to grow on you she's yeah she's just going to get more comfortable because yeah. her siblings are just much more confident than she was much more you know they're also bigger than her they're kind of, yeah maybe. yeah they were jace definitely or at least jace's personality boys, yeah. is very very I think that's it. Alpha, not alpha, but he's just very like, Present. hey, hi, he's very I'm here. Just, you know, you can't ignore him. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that happens. I love cats like that because yeah. I'm like, you guys don't fucking know that she's <laughs> really great. And sometimes not that I'm like 
a salesperson and selling these cats because yeah. we're not making a pro- profit off any of these guys. Right. But it is having, you know, conversations with adopters, feeling them out and being like, trust me, like if you think she's this great now, yeah. or if she's just showing you hints of that, like in a home, she, the, she, he, whatever, the cat is going to be so much more open and the work that you put into these cats where you help them come out of their you know shell Shell. Mm -hmm. they pay you back with so much love and so much loyalty yeah that it's it's incredible the bonds that you form with these kind of cats and we'll see we'll see if remy comes out in the christmas picture (laughs) in our christmas holiday (laughs) which we haven't done or our holiday card yeah yeah no it's a tradition i'd like to start (laughs) for crazy cat people yeah um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. She, I, I definitely enjoy her great. companionship very much because she is very. When she's when it's playtime, she's like, "Okay, daddy, I'm gonna go play." But when ah, it's daddy, <laughs> stop. But when it's like it's time to like just relax and hang out, and she sees that I'm coming towards her, like she'll be, "Oh hi," and then she'll like toss herself and yeah, let she'll me throw her herself belly. on you. Yeah, and she's cute, and I like that. And I don't like the cats that are like. <laughs> a lot of people like the idea of having a cat that's very loving all the time and very needy, it. but it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. Trust me. It's almost like it's almost like having a dog in a sense. I would say that there are some cats that are more needy yeah, for than sure. dogs. And also like those cats become a little more destructive if their needs are met because you're like... Oh, or if they're left yeah, alone. I'm sad. I'm going to yeah. go do you know some destructive shit. Uh, it's definitely going to be Heldon's decision because Gremlin is too basic of a cat for me. No offense, my love. That's fine. Uh, I like my sassy cats. I like my cats that. <laughs> I and I don't bit. like sassy cats. <laughs> They're just you know a little a little spunkier. Yeah. Uh, but she's a great cat. Anyone yeah. that gets her is lu- lucky to have her. Tiger definitely not going to be part of the family. <laughs> she is too much of a bully. Yeah. That's not the kind. Of, I hate bullies. Mm-hmm. I was. You know, I have a sore spot or a mm-hmm. sensitive spot with that. I hate bullies. Mm-hmm. She, I don't she, hate her. <laughs> I just hate that she bullies. Yeah, you just know that cats. she, uh, she, there will be a better home for her. Well, she will she be, can be extremely the only cat and adored, yeah. and she doesn't have to beat anyone up to get exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about real quick, and we'll wrap it up with this. Um, you know, you you came from. Going to UCI to, you know, majoring in political science. You start volunteering at uh, Cat Rescue. You develop all these skills um, to care for and learn about cats and their personalities and how to take care and how to handle them. Mm -hmm. And then so you become a a staff member at the rescue that you volunteered at initially. And so now you're preparing to go into a different phase where you're going to be in charge of the rescue so you know obviously you have a team of people behind you including volunteers that do a lot of great work as well they're incredible they're wonderful and they're amazing we couldn't do the work we do without them and you guys are volunteer based yeah so it like the more hands on deck the better you know and that includes people who foster as well because there are so many different components to a rescue that a lot of people don't see Mm -hmm. that um, that they should know about. So, but you're going into, you're moving into the executive director, which means, like I said, you'll be the head honcho and you'll be calling all the shots. Mm-hmm. And I know you were hesitant about going into that position. Can you talk about 
Why? The hesitancy for yeah. sure. So I like one of my coworkers. Um, we're great wingman, wingmen, whatever. Women we're really partners. Awesome, supporting and getting shit done. Right. You know, accomplishing things, making sure that tasks are just, you know, we're great. We're a great support system. We really are. And we love helping. Yeah. Making decisions, being the face of a foundation uh, is a lot. Yeah. And having worked at the rescue as long as I have, there's also a... Um, and even like besides that, there's already a level of burnout that anyone suffers, anyone can deal with, or, you know, burnout is a, a thing that people experience in any profession, but yeah. working with animals, it's a lot. It's, it's not, you know, a job that you can go home and just be like, okay, well, I'll be back tomorrow. It's fine. Yeah. It's a job that you take with you uh, when you go home, when you go on a vacation, you can't stop thinking about it yeah. because ultimately cats lives it's gonna sound exaggerated and it kind of is but they depend on you yeah so there's a sense of of there's a level of burnout that anyone and animal rescue experiences in general and with the whole pandemic and not having uh had a break and i was fortunate enough to have my job the entire time obviously it wasn't impacted by the pandemic but with that there was another level of like stress of now these there's more animals that we have to help out because certain services were stopped during this time yeah so hesitant because i was already trying to balance out whether i could handle it whether i wanted to handle it whether i wanted that sense of responsibility Mm. and figuring out you know if this was the next step in my my life Mm -hmm. um that's where a lot of the hesitancy came from the resistance to be like, I'm already tired. I already feel like I am overwhelmed and, um, it gets mentally, emotionally and physically exhausting at times, especially when you do work with special case, you know, special foster cases. Yeah. And then to add that, it is the sense of like, you are responsible. You are the person that makes the decisions. You are the person who has to answer if something goes wrong or just, you know, you have to make the ultimate call if this cat gets treatment or not, if we take this cat in or not, if we do things a certain way. Mm -hmm. Also with their funding, you know, being, building relationships with different people, appreciating what they do, but also networking to to see you know who you can form bonds with that can help the rescue out you know yeah so there was a lot of reservation because of you know the burnout that already exists yeah not wanting to make decisions not wanting to be necessarily the person that has to uh be the face of this wonderful, incredible and well respected organization. Door? Yeah. I already Shout you know out. I've accepted the my decision mm-hmm. uh, and I feel good about it. I no longer feel like at first I was reserved and now I'm, you know, getting a little excited just because we want to change the way things are done to protect the staff members. So yeah. you're like we don't need to handle all of this. This can be delegated to others. Yeah. We can set certain boundaries in place where 
hey, I'm not available, I'm not available. And even if it is an emergency, there's someone else on call that can handle that. Yeah. That, you know, setting people up so they can be capable to handle decisions like that. Yeah. And just understanding that, you know, as much as we want to help, there is a, a wall that will hit and we have to respect the boundaries that we've set in place. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're constantly burnt out, even though you're helping. Yeah. But at what cost, yeah. you know? So I'm excited about, you know, creating new opportunities for all of us to succeed and just kind of building a team where we can rely on each other and continue to grow the rescue because that's Mm -hmm. the ultimate goal is to help help more animals in a sustainable way so we can just continue to do the hard work that we're already doing. Right. So, yeah. And and may I also point out that the staff, the staff that is at Santidor is all women. Yeah. So that's interesting because why, it, I, I'm just curious, why do you think, and not that there needs to be a guy involved, mm-hmm. but I feel like in a lot of workplaces, and obviously the staff is relatively small at Santidor, but in a lot of workplaces, you don't really see that too much. At least I yeah. don't really hear about that too much that it's an all-female staff. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Has there been maybe no male that has shown up and he's like, ah, yeah, this guy is like mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Well, Or is it just like girls are just that awesome? We, everyone is awesome. But in the in the animal world, Kitten Lady pointed this out that... Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's Kitten Lady? Kitten Lady is Hannah Shaw. She okay. specializes in neonatal care. She's incredible. Resources that she provide are free and mm-hmm. so, so uh, valuable, the information that she puts out to people. But anyways, Kitten Lady has, you know, built this incredible uh, nonprofit called uh, Orphan Kitten Club, yeah. I believe. But she touched on that that thing where, like, hey, women actually make up, like, 90% or whatever amount, a large portion of the people working in animal rescue. Interesting. I didn't know that. But the, a lot of times, guys, you know, are put as a face of it. Mm, okay. Our volunteers. Yeah. Mostly all women. I shit you not. There's, like, a few men sprinkled in. Yeah. I can name like a few that are regulars that stick it through, but it's mostly women that, Mm -hmm. you know, stay and volunteer. If we think about like nurses, not to sound sexist, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but when you think of nurses, it's mostly, you know. Women. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe it is these kind of professions where it is women are just fucking, you know, out there caring for animals or humans or just have that like compassion uh and not to say that men don't but it is you know like if you think about meet the parents where um what's his name i've never seen meet the parents the parents of ben stiller Stiller, is a nurse and he's embarrassed to say that he's a nurse in front of his you know his girlfriend wife's whatever um dad so yeah it's most it's like the majority is women are and, women and women are just i feel like they're biologically just more nurturing yeah i mean that men. was our our role if you read like whatever the homo sapiens book that i've read is that i think it's that book or a it's uh book. isn't it just sapiens no it's, no, homo, it's homo sapiens, sapiens? yeah oh, okay because there he has another one that's homo whatever i'm reading that mm-hmm. one too i don't finish things but um 
he it's well known like evolutionary uh it's why women are good at picking up facial cues we're mm-hmm. you know we are our caretakers we are uh givers of life yeah anyways women just you know a little more uh dominating that that field um when you go to vet offices i feel like it's more it's a little more you see more men in there Mm -hmm. but um yeah and and the reason why i bring that up is because um you know i i think i've always tried to be and this is not me trying to like paint myself out to be some kind of fucking hero or like ultra feminist but, you know, on the podcast, I know me and Beast really try to talk about empowering women to take on roles that that are of high stature, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's it's obvious that there's underrepresentation of women in in the workplace. And so I brought that up because I thought that was interesting that in your specific workplace, the staff that is on is on call and pretty much most of the volunteers are women. Yeah. And so I know that like, you know, it's a tough job, but you know, women are capable, if not more capable than men to be in these positions of power. And it's funny that like, um, in the last episode, we talked about, uh, like the male ego and how fragile it is. And I played this, um, I talked about this woman called Julia Gillard and how she was the first female uh, prime minister of Sweden, of, not Sweden, of Australia. And how, you know, men were just so, I guess, intimidated by her being a female and being in power that they were like, they resorted to like stupid misogynistic insults and, and stuff of that mm-hmm. nature. But, she still, you know, put on a brave face because she was like, you know what? Yes, I know. I know what they're doing. I'm aware that they're insulting me. And, yeah, and, the psychological and aspect of it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to succumb to, you know, showing not aggressive emotions. Their be- game. Yeah, because then they're going to I'm going to fall into their trap where it's like, oh, well, so you are emotional, blah, blah, blah. And then I forgot. I, I think I saw this on like Comedy Central where um this uh this dude named jordan klepper the guy from the daily show Mm -hmm. he was going out and talking to um a lot of uh trump supporters during the uh during the hillary clinton Mm -hmm. uh, run and so and we're not this is not about politics this is about like about men and women Mm -hmm. but um jordan uh, klepper asked like oh why don't you he asked one of the trump supporters hey why don't you um want hillary to be president and then one of the and this was a woman she's she's like Oh, because, um, you know, I feel like she's too emotional. Like women are just too emotional and they wouldn't be able to bear the responsibility. And then (laughs) Jordan Klepper goes, but haven't all wars been started by men? (laughs) And so he said that and the woman stood there silent like. uh, Literally how many people, how many wars have been started by hurt fucking egos or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what I'm talking about. It's like. You know, there is too much of this, like, male ego, like, I want to stay in power for this, this, and this. And men, like, traditional old school men, machismo men, try to use that stupid excuse. So it's like, well, you're too emotional to make decisions. Well, it's like, well... Cry baby ass. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, yeah. it's true. It's His true. Tantrums. Yeah. I know he's an old purse, uh, like a senior citizen. Yeah. But he's a crybaby. He yeah. is a privileged, privileged crybaby. Yeah. So, but all in all, I wanted to say that just to be like, you know, in your specific profession, that women are the one that are in power. And I got stats. You got okay. stats? Hit oh. me. Hit me. Hit me. Hit okay. me. Okay. So for veterinarians, I okay. think it's sixty-five percent. Okay. Sixty-five percent men or five or sixty-five women, and then the other, the remaining, whether it's forty-five or fifty. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do don't <laughs> fucking math check me. Yeah. Um it's men. So in that sense, but that the veterinarian uh that role is one that requires more extensive that requires schooling, you know, yeah. having to go and get your Because you're operating on yeah. animals. So that one's a little more back in the day, it was primarily like men. Mm-hmm. Uh and then gr- women, females are now being like, Hey, Make it's us. We're the majority. Yeah, yeah. But um, while it's hard to get exact numbers, the estimates are that animal rescue is conducted by more than 85% women. Yes, it's true. If you're a male in the uh, animal rescue world, you're somewhat of a unicorn in a stampede of horses. Uh, Maybe this is because women have more compassion. Maybe it's due to the stereotypical role that they play in child rearing. But men just just have not been as involved in helping animals as women have been. Mm -hmm. So... This is a male writer. Um, yeah. I don't so know it what just it confirms, is. It just confirms what, you know, why your particular workplace. And I'm sure many other workplaces are have those same examples where most of the staff is women because women tend to be more compassionate and understanding and nurturing. And, um, and again, that's not to say that men are not capable of doing that. Or that I can't be a bitch. Or that you boss bitch. (laughs) Or that you can't be a boss ass bitch, (laughs) which you can. But you know, it's just an interesting thing because I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. You know, and the rescue runs, does what it does, on the backs of hardworking women, and you guys make it happen, and it's. Yeah. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's draining, but. It's well worth it to see the success stories. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, I think we can call it. Thank you guys for sticking through with both of us. Um, yeah. I want to say thank you, babe. I love you very much. Thank you for doing me this favor. (laughs) Because we weren't supposed to do this because obviously we came to not work, but I did not want to go like another week where we're off again for another episode and so made this little compromise which i appreciate i really do i appreciate it um and thank you for educating people on cats maybe some people were thinking about getting a cat maybe some people are secretly like lovers of cats but they're like they're they're ashamed they're like oh no but you know like (laughs) hit me up you know (laughs) yeah like it's it's all good it's all good but uh but yeah so thank you for coming on um, thank you for having me. Right. Having my awkward ass. <laughs> Love you forever, and we'll continue to do a crazy cat lady things together. Crazy cat adventures. Crazy cat through the lady rest things. Of, through the rest of our lives. All right, y'all. Well, that is my beautiful girlfriend, Leslie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Lucica. Thank you guys for listening to the Nectar Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>